Welcome to You, Me, and PD, a podcast about the experience of living with Parkinson's disease where we share the voices of both the caregiver and the diagnosed. Jeremy Lickness received his diagnosis of young onset Parkinson's disease in early 2020. He and his wife Doreen share candid conversations about symptoms, solutions, challenges, triumphs, and both the physical and emotional aspects of living with Parkinson's disease. Season one, the year of the diagnosis. And now your hosts, Jeremy and Doreen. Hello and welcome to the last episode of the year for You, Me, and PD. Season one was called the year of the diagnosis, but it was really a year of loss for us, that year 2020. And we're here today to talk about some of the difficult steps and incidents, I'd say, bumps in the road during our journey and how this diagnosis came at a time when many other factors were happening. And it's our hope that our listeners who are going through struggles of their own can relate to some of what we're sharing and maybe find a path to resolution because it's been a rough journey. I'm here with Doreen. Hi, everyone. And uh, yeah, it's been hard, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. So let's talk about the period, I guess, in 2020 that pretty much everything seemed to happen, I think, all at once, right? It did, yeah. So talk to me. Tell me about that period. Well, just to let everyone know right now, this episode I knew needed to be done, and I've actually dreaded this. So I'm hoping um, to, you know, get the struggles that we've experienced through 2020 out there. And like Jeremy said, for those of you who have also suffered through 2020, which was a horrible year worldwide for, I would say, most everyone on varying levels. But early in 2020, I realized that there was a six-week period. Um, I was still in the thick of grieving my brother's passing due to cancer a few months prior. Um, I just learned, Pa, that's my dad, um, that his cancer had aggressively returned. And we also learned that a dog had cancer. Um, in addition to all this, COVID came to town quite literally. Not only did the very first COVID patient in the U.S. live in Washington where we live, but um, they live in the exact same county where we live. So, And to top it off, the pandemic lockdown started to occur. And I think, um, you know, it's not as impactful, but I was also switching roles in my job. So we had kind of the stress of me accepting the, the new role as well. And I can speak from, you know, the side of it. We went down and visited your brother. I'm thankful we had that opportunity to see him before he passed. But then to come off of that, find out that your dad, Pa, had his cancer coming back. And then, you know, the, the story with our dog, Indy, I'll just share it quickly because it was very bittersweet. So she had struggles most of her life because she developed hip dysplasia early on. And uh, she also had a run-in as a young puppy with a rare viral infection, I think it's called lepto... 
Lepto something. Lepto something. But it was a case where we thought she was just sick and needed antibiotics. And we got a phone call that she might not make it through the night. So she made it through the night. And then years later, when we're in Washington State, we find out that she's having more issues with her hip dysplasia. So we took her in to get x-rays and they noticed that her spleen was enlarged. So they removed her spleen. They said the good news was when they inspected it, they didn't see signs of cancer. They were running blood work just in case. And she did a great recovery from that surgery, only just as she was getting back on her own two feet, we uh, got the news that she had a blood cancer that was extremely aggressive and extremely painful and that her time was limited. And, you know, it's there were so many people close to us, I guess, that were going away, so to speak, that... um it was a, a rough time. And on top of that, this was right around the time we started noticing my tremors. I'm actually tremoring right now talking about this. You know, anyone who has Parkinson's knows that stress and uh, distress is a, a trigger. But um, we were just getting adjusted to the diagnosis and had had lots of things impacting it. I'll say that. Yeah. And then during that time, um, well, the day that Indy passed was the very first, and I, I'm pretty sure the only time I've seen your face tremor. And I didn't say anything to you in that moment, but maybe a month or so later, I asked you, were you aware your face was tremoring? And you seemed really surprised. You're like, no, I had no idea. And you had a follow-up with your PD doctor and he said that extreme sudden stress can create tremors where they've never been before. Yeah, that was uh, one of the toughest days I've had was taking my little girl to the vet. But um, I re don't remember the face tremors. I remember noticing it one time when I was stressed about something else. I think it was related to speaking or something at a conference and I just felt my eye twitching and I filmed it. And I remember talking to you and you said, do you know that's not the first time that's happened? And I was like, no, I wasn't aware of that. I, I thought it was. And you said, no, that, that day you took Indian, uh, it happened again. And it was bittersweet. It was a father's day weekend. Doreen took me to, uh, the islands here in, uh, the Puget Sound. We saw Discovery Pass, which is a beautiful beach, has amazing... So the beaches here, right, the beaches in Florida were used to collecting seashells. The beaches here, you collect pebbles and glass, so they have a colorful design. So we, we did that for a distraction, but that was uh, that was tough. And it was one of the, I guess, first times we made the connection between how situations in life can trigger the symptoms and, and make the Parkinson's disease come out. So we talked about losing Indy and losing Steve, but then your father was diagnosed with cancer and we, uh, we lost him too. We did. Yeah. So his, um, 
health took a drastic turn for the worse. And it, it actually got to the point every time my phone would ring or I'd hear a text, I was like, oh my God, is this the call that he passed? And um, I also felt that way when Steve was near the end. So, yeah. <laughs> and then we kept asking him, can we come see you, my my dad? And he kept saying, no, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. And he was in the hospital like every week at that point. And well, he was also not telling you he was in the hospital. We'd find out because we'd get the call from his wife that he was there again. Yeah. So he was uh, a little bit in, I think, um, not denial, but he was trying to kind of shield from us how serious things were. Yeah. I'm very happy that we, he finally allowed us to go see him and we were able to make a trip down there. Yeah. It was a bit of a scramble, but um, I'm really thankful that we made it. And go ahead. No, I was just going to say it was um, the first, was it the first? I think it was the first trip we made during COVID. So on yeah. top of. Yeah. <laughs> but had not, not, this was my first time flying after my diagnosis, which it turns out it was just flying with uh, the, the symptoms. But it was something that was a little intimidating to me. And then trying to understand what the new protocols were for COVID mm -hmm. and then realizing that this may be the last time, which it ended up being that we could see Pa was, uh, it made made for a bittersweet time. Yeah, it did. I knew that it would be the last time, and it's okay because years before he passed, um, he had put everything in into place as far as his will and what he wanted done afterwards, and he made it extremely easy for me, even though it was a really difficult time. Yeah. Well, the time that we spent and visited with him. You know, he put on a, a face of, of being fine, but uh, there was actually an incident where he was coming back from one of his appointments and he collapsed. And fortunately, my son-in-law, Solomon, and I were there to help him and assist him and get him into the bedroom. I know for me, that was... Uh, it was a powerful moment for me because it really made me think as this disease progresses, you know, can I be there to support people in the way that I did? And I recognized that I'll do the best with what I had, but it was really eye-opening to me to, um, you know, fortunately be able to do that. And it invigorated my focus on exercising and doing the things I can do to slow down the symptoms and keep my body in, in shape because it's just so important for you never know when things like that are going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we came back from Florida and I, I think, you know, part of the reason there's been a little bit of a delay between episodes is because we knew we had to get this episode out and it's been a tough one, but we wanted to, to share and, and just be really open about this. But we are just past Thanksgiving, approaching Christmas and Thanksgiving last year was not the best Thanksgiving. Yeah. that That's when I got the call Thanksgiving Eve. 
That was hard. Yeah. I remember I was doing something. I was in another room and I heard Dreen on the phone and she was saying, no, it should be there. It should be there. And I'm like, what is someone looking for? Well, it turns out that, uh, Pa had, I guess, not waking up from a nap, which I'm thankful again that that's the way it happened. But his wife couldn't get him up, called the ambulance. He was pretty much dead on arrival, but they wanted to resuscitate them because that's what those teams do. And he had a directive, do not resuscitate. But it turns out in Florida, we found out they have very specific requirements. Yeah, because I had the paper in my hand on the other side of the country where we live. And I told the paramedic, I'm looking at it. I have in my hand. Can I text this to you? And he said, no, I need the original yellow. Co- I need the yellow original. I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah, so we found out the hard way that in Florida, you need to have a clearly posted directive on yellow paper. It has to be a specific shade of yellow, or they won't honor that directive. That's how the paramedics know to look for it. So we immediately looked into Washington state laws, and fortunately, there's no requirement for a piece of paper. But it, this is something that I think is so important because what Pa did with his will and his planning made us recognize that we had not taken those steps. And it's not even a question of more pressing because I have Parkinson's disease. Uh, it was a question of something we should have just done a long time ago because we have family, we have assets and spelling out clearly what to do in the case of passing is, is key. And for me, this incident really opened my eyes to the importance of having a will and having everything in place so that that will can be acted upon. So that was impetus for us. And I think, you know, one of the important things for people listening, regardless of Parkinson's or or no Parkinson's, having that in place is just so important for peace of mind for your family. But because of this diagnosis, it actually opened up more options to me because I didn't realize that there's an option to, for example, donate to the Michael J. Fox Foundation as part of the will, which is something I never would have thought of. But it's comforting to know that if I want that option in place, that I can have that sort of last bit of contribution to finding a cure for this as as part of that. So I think the the moral of this is the uh the importance of just having papers in place knowing where documents should be posted to make it easier on loved ones if something were to happen and having that that will in place. And, and just to piggyback on that, it's just real you know what death comes at any time and at any age. And it's really important to have a will in place, especially for your loved ones left behind. So that's my advice. The uh, this is this is a, a tough one, but um I'm glad we're we're sharing this because the whole point of this is just to to share resources and support and help 
for some of you who may be in similar situations or have gone through similar things, because we had a lot happen <laughs> in 2020, and that's part of why we wanted to conclude the season with this and, and share that. But the the really powerful part of this is that we are moving on. I mean, for Doreen, it's been extremely difficult, and I'm just going to share two things, and then I want Doreen for you to share your point. But one one piece of this is in my last episode, I talked to David Loud, and he talked about, we, we shared how we had similar situations in that I was caretaker for Doreen for her back. Now she's caretaker for me, and we're kind of each other's support system. And so one of the things that that year really brought to my mind was just the importance of having support and not putting everything on Doreen's shoulders and, you know, not taking everything on my own shoulders, that we have a bigger network, we have family, we have friends, we have community. And that's, uh, you know, why I'm so excited to be a part of the Young Onset PD community and the Parkinson's community in general it's because having that support is so key. And in future episodes, we're going to move past the difficulty and the things we lost, and we're going to focus more on the things we gained and the things we can do to keep moving forward. But those were, were really, I, I wanted to talk about that switch in, in caregiving and that kind of perspective that it transformed. And then I just wanted to share that Probably one of the most difficult things in this whole situation that uh, I'm not sure people realize because they just don't know Doreen's story, but um, she lost her mom to lung cancer in 2012. Then she lost her brother. Then she lost her father. And as uh, someone who was adopted, uh, that meant that really... All of her family is the family we've made together. Her family that she grew up with is is gone. And that really struck me in admiring the strength that she had going through all of this. Because I can tell you what, when I struggle or I'm having something going on because of this disease, she's feeling it. Like she lives with that loss every day. But she moves through that and shows up and is here. And so, you know, I want to say thank you and I love you so much, honey. I love you too. And I hate to put you on the spot with that emotional piece, but is there something you wanted to share? Just that it's still really hard to understand that the family I was adopted into 10 days old that they're all gone <laughs> but I'm happy to know that I'll be reunited with them in heaven and uh, the last conversation I had with Ma she told me Doreen Jeremy he's a keeper <laughs> He's a good guy. And um, that was super sweet. And the last conversation I had with my brother, 
I told him, when you see Ma, please give her a big hug and kiss from me. And he whispered, okay, because he, he couldn't really talk at that point. And then when we saw Pa last, and I was sitting next to him, and uh, I told him, Pa, when you see Steve and Ma, please give them big hugs and kisses from me. And he laughed a little bit. So it was really good conversations that I had with my parents and my brother, like literally right before they passed. And that was something that we've been so blessed with. With uh, I've had some grandparents pass, and Doreen, you know, obviously had a lot of loss, but we've been blessed with being able to be with those people and spend time with them and, and really have a very positive experience before we had to say goodbye in this world. And <laughs> you can't see me because this is a podcast. I'm tremoring very majorly, but, uh, that's short, sweet, probably a lot of information to <laughs> digest. But I think uh, the important thing that I want people listening to know is everyone has challenges. It's not a competition. We're not trying to stack against anyone. But I feel like we've had our fair share of, of punches thrown our way. But the important thing is to keep moving forward. And that's what we're doing is we're looking ahead. We're finding ways to really adapt to the situation. And one of the things that I've always done is just assumed I would work, work, work and do this, that, and the other and focus on climbing the corporate ladder and gaining better positions. And, and I love what I do for my job. And so it hasn't changed the fact that I I want to work and I want to, you know, I even hate using that word work because it's really just a career that is very rewarding. But it has changed my perspective on stress and the importance of slowing down and intentionally being at peace and enjoying the day. And I took up a, a hobby of astrophotography and part of why I love it so much is just because I can go in my own backyard and see amazing wonders that exist as part of a routine day. Like it's just incredible what you can see. And I think, uh, you know, we've intentionally decided to capture moments and not focus so much on stuff like we may have in the past, but really focus on experiences and, and moments on little weekend trips on, the walk with our, our new wonderful German Shepherd Pepper, who we waited quite a bit of time after Indy passed before we even decided we were capable of having another dog. And then uh, Doreen did a lot of research and we ended up getting Pepper as a puppy and it seemed like the wait was forever. Yeah, but almost a year. Almost a year, but things move on. And that's what I want to share with people as this year comes to a close and this episode comes to a close is that 
you have support, you have people out there. If it's not in your family or your network of, of close friends, the community at large is an amazing community and definitely tap into and share those resources. For me, forming new friendships with people who share similar struggles as I do because they have Parkinson's disease has been incredibly empowering. And I'll just give you one example at work. I have some limitations that are are slowly creeping in uh, just as symptoms advance and connecting with someone else who has been down a similar path and could give me advice on things to look for and ways to work around it has just been tremendously helpful. And uh, do you have any uh, parting words, Doreen? Yeah. When you were talking about support, if you feel you definitely need support, um, but you don't have that support system, let people know you need help. A lot of times people don't want to admit they need help. Um, so you can reach out to, I mean, if you have friends and they're just not, maybe they don't know you're suffering inside and it's okay to say, Hey, I really, really need to talk. Or you can talk with clergy. You can talk to your doctor who will have probably a lot of resources for you. So just don't, you know, hide in silence, let people in who can help you. Even it's just to, to listen to you. They may not have a answer, but a lot of times just talking and getting it off your chest can help a lot. Yeah. And that was probably one of the bigger challenges for me was recognizing that Doreen needed help and that I couldn't be and probably shouldn't be the person to quote fix everything right I'm not an expert and it's okay for her to go out and connect with people through other ways and and seek help and I'm doing everything I can to be supportive but it's important not to to try to take control and fix the problems yourself it's important to admit sometimes that they're they can be larger than your perspective and so having other perspectives is there. We, it's uh, ironic because we've been talking at uh, my job about mental health and in technology, burnout's a common thing and d- depression. And, and there's a lot of situations that, you know, we go through training to be able to recognize and reach out to. So uh, hopefully this will connect with those of you. I know that having a chronic disease that doesn't have a cure right now can be incredibly overwhelming sometimes. But just know that there is help. And for me, hope comes from all of the amazing people I've met who have had Parkinson's for 5, 10, 20, 30 years and learning about the ways that they've decided to not let the disease take the upper hand but the things that they do that's in their control to help slow the progression and help combat it, help raise awareness and help quite frankly, raise funds so that scientists can continue to research and unlock the important mysteries that could lead to a potential cure 
or a way of at least slowing down and, and stopping the symptoms from progressing so much. So that is a short, but from the heart, <laughs> very open episode that we wanted to be very connected with you and wrap up this first season, season one, the season of the diagnosis. And when we started this a year ago, it was, of course, very fresh that we were still learning our way around. And I'm not saying we're experts, right? We're never going to be. There's always new things to learn. But we've shifted gears and shifted our focus. And we're very excited next year to bring you a season two. We don't have a title for it yet. But as I mentioned, we will be looking forward and we will be sharing ways to empower each other to overpower what Parkinson's does. Mm -hmm. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening for your support. It means so much to us and we look forward to connecting to you throughout the years to come. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Jeremy and Doreen's journey and for the opportunity to contribute to a cure, please visit us online at youmeandpd.org. You, Me, and PD is produced by Pwop Productions in New London, Connecticut. Our show is edited by Brandon Wen. Our music is by the Groove Chillers featuring Carl Franklin and yours truly, Doug Wolverton. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.